0: Hey, you want that to go?
1: And now some takeouts on the news stories that we're following this week. We want you to stay on top of. President Obama is facing new opposition uh, to his plan for limiting the size of banks. The opposition is coming from the European Union. Finance ministers in the EU have united against the so-called Volcker rule, which would prevent commercial banks from owning hedge funds and taking excessive risk. The shorthand for this is kind of too big to fail or letting the banks get entangled in too many financial instruments that got them in trouble in the first place. New York Times finance reporter and contributor to the Takeaway Louise Story is here with us in studio Morning Louise. Morning. Louise, what is what is President Obama trying to do and and frankly why would Europe have a problem with it?
0: So this is known as the Volcker the rule. The Volcker rule. Yes, because you know the former head of the Federal Reserve Um, has proposed it, Paul Volcker, but what it says is that banks that take deposits and make loans, those very activities that we want to preserve, those are the activities that called for us to rescue banks. Banks that do those activities should not also do risky trading and own hedge funds or private equity firms. So it's calling for a separation of banking, deposit taking, lending from Risky trading.
1: Keeping banks a little bit in the safety zone, in other words, to do what they were meant to do.
0: That's what it's supposed to do. Now, the EU
1: has a problem with this, apparently.
0: Right. So, Bloomberg News uncovered this memo um, that shows that the EU is going to be coming out, the finance ministers saying that they think that this is not a good idea. And in particular, the finance ministers over in Europe are concerned that this would push risk out of the financial system. And this opens a fundamental debate. So, In the U.S., the Obama proposal um, talks about it being good to push the risk away from these big banks, okay? Because then we won't bail out banks in the future that do these trading activities. But then in Europe, they're saying, well, we need to keep the risk in the system because that's what what we monitor. That's what we can control. Mm -hmm. That's what we can handle. And the fear is that if you push things out of the system, they're in the shadows. You don't really know what's going on, and they may cause even greater risk. So it's, it's a fundamental debate. Uh, over this.
1: I, I can envision analysts down on Wall Street uh, at the firms that you cover sort of secretly saying, yes, go EU, yeah. standing up for them and at, they... at a time when maybe they can't because they're not popular enough to stand up against the Volcker rule.
0: They may be rooting for that. You know, also today, um, Henry Paulson, the former Treasury Secretary, has mm-hmm. an opinion piece in The Times where he talks about how important it is that we pass uh, financial reform. And, you know, Paulson's the former CEO of Goldman, so he has both the government perspective and the banking perspective. But he said, we've got to pass the financial reform. And in particular, he says, it's very important to have a systemic risk regulator, someone who's watching all the risk. That's a proposal that's sort of fallen off the table.
1: OK, but in the world, but, but quickly, though, if mm-hmm. if if Obama succeeds here in the United States with Paulson's backing for major financial reform and Europe doesn't come along in, inter- in the world of interconnected banking, what does that really mean?
0: Well, the EU will do their own version, of course. The, the fear is if one country has much harsher rules, will banks move more of their activities to other countries? Just
1: fly to where, they, where you can make more money because you right. can take more risk. All right, Louise Story, finance reporter for The New York Times and contributor here at The Takeaway. Thanks for joining us.
2: For our next takeout, let's go to Vancouver for the Olympics. And we're joined by Dan Friedel. He's covering the Winter Games, and he's specifically got his eye on hockey, which makes you one of, of about a million or so in Canada, <laughs> right? I mean, if you're talking about hockey, Canadians are hockey Fanatics that must add right. an actual bit of excitement to the beginning of the men 's hockey
3: yeah you'd have to say there there are about uh, thirty million hockey fans here celeste and 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 they 're all raring to go. Um, you know you just look around on the streets of uh, of Vancouver as the games have gotten started, and there are tons of Canada hockey jerseys out there, even though, as you know, the Canadian Olympic hockey players didn't even march in the opening ceremony
2: well you know a lot of people in the united states of course are are looking to the u.s team but they they struggled to get a seventh place finish in torino can we expect the u.s team to make a good showing in the olympics
3: well brian burke who is the kind of bombastic figurehead of a general manager for the usa team has made it clear that he looked for a team this year that uh i wouldn't say was bereft of all-stars but was kind of uh filled with a new breed of player and the idea is that uh he wanted to have guys who didn't mind being the brick-and-mortar so that the team might be a little bit uh, tougher and grittier and uh, wasn't looking just for all the glory that they were willing to do the hard work. And, uh, you know, the team is clearly not a favorite um, because you've got such a star-studded group of teams from countries like Canada and Russia and Sweden. But, you know, they'll, they'll probably... Uh, have a shot to make it into the bronze medal game.
2: Well, they're they're facing off against the Swiss today and that's going to be a that's going to be a tough fight against the Swiss. They've got a great hockey team out there. You know, you talk about uh, all-star hockey players and and bright stars in the sport, but we're not talking about pampered athletes here.
3: Well, uh, just uh, hours ago, when I was uh, coming back from a a hard day of work yesterday, I was on the SkyTrain, which is what they call the the metro or subway here in Vancouver, with uh, three of the players from the Slovakian hockey team. I mean, this is like uh, Brooklyn Dodgers in the the 20s and 30s, where you're riding the streetcar with the guys who you're about to go see in, you know, a 30,000, 40,000-seat stadium. Pro Um, athletes on public
1: transportation.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it was the same thing when I arrived on Saturday, on Sunday at the airport where the the biggest star of them all, Alex Ovechkin from the Russian team and the Washington Capitals was up on the conveyor belt at the uh, Vancouver International Airport grabbing these giant hockey bags for his Russian and and Washington Capitals teammates that had all just arrived from uh, from their road trip, the last road trip before the NHL went on its break and and he was you know smiling like a kid on christmas morning um, you know with all these bags to grab off of the conveyor and i went up to him and i said you know, don't you have an assistant who's going to do that for you? And he kind of smiled and said, I, I don't need an assistant for this. You know, I can get it myself. Happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Dan
2: Friedel is a freelance sports writer. He's up in Vancouver covering the Olympics. The U.S. team is going to face off against the Swiss hockey team today. We're going to have more Olympic coverage all week long. You can check out our Olympic coverage at thetakeaway.org. Coming up, the, pres- the difference between a kill or capture order when it comes to the
3: Taliban.